Welcome back uh, to uh, perhaps, uh, without uh, argument, probably the last uh, uh, show of the year. Football, holidays, all that jazz. But I am pleased, pleased to finally have on my old pal, Dennis Foley. Hey, Dennis, how are you? Hey, Rick, how are you tonight? (laughs) Good. I'm glad we could finally pull this off. Uh, You know... I probably have had you on, Dennis, with every single thing you've, every book you've written, the movie you made. Uh, you're one of my. I've written about you for the for the paper. I am quoted on the back of your latest book, saying the life of Dennis Foley has been so far a wild ride that he is brave enough to put it all on the pages of this book with the palpable honesty and considerable charm. Not only makes for good reading, but should give every reader hope. You know, I don't even remember what book I was talking about. It could have been any one of them, Dennis, don't you think? <laughs> I mean, I'm serious. Well, the latest, the latest is uh, is called Feloniously Yours. It's, it's a memoir, and I think that uh, the, the great James T. Farrell did not technically write memoirs uh, when he wrote the Studs Lonigan trilogy. There are people in this world and in this city who are starting to compare your work, Dennis, to Studs Lonigan, aren't there? And, you know, uh, uh, just having uh, somebody say that to me, uh, you know, uh, Bill Siegel, a writer, put together an article in the Beverly Review and uh, made that comparison. I mean, that's uh, that was overwhelming for me to be uh, compared to, uh, you know, to, to James Farrell and to be mentioned in that same breath. Well, the god, the god of Irish writers in Chicago, I right. guess you could call it. <clears throat> Dennis, we'll talk at length. I'm going to keep you on at least till 6.30, maybe even longer, uh, to talk about uh, this book. But I want to talk about, about everything you've done. You you started your career as a as a basketball center, did you not? You haven't really written oh, too much about that. But that was your first claim to fame, wouldn't you say, at St. Lawrence High School? Yeah, you know, so I, I happened to be on one of those glory day teams back in the late 70s at St. Lawrence. We had, uh, you know, two big All-Americans that were on the team, Kevin Boyle, who went on to play in a Final Four at Iowa, Jimmy Spack, who played at... Uh, at Northwestern and went on to to be a scout for the Bulls and was credited with the you know the idea of bringing Dennis Rodman to the Bulls mm-hmm. and uh, and I was the guy basically the you know they were both much taller than me but I was the the six foot three inch center that kind of did the dirty work so that uh, I, I was smart enough to get the ball back out to them and <laughs> let us shoot again yeah genius playmaker a genius a genius playmaker then you you decided to go to you eventually you started you you started your your adult, so-called adult career, uh, wanted to be a lawyer, didn't you? Yeah, and, um, you know, Rick, as a kid growing up on on the south side, uh, you know, I, I came from a family where we moved quite a bit, uh, yeah. nine different times when I was a kid, and I, I really didn't know what I wanted to do, but I, I became enamored, like, with uh, when I would, whenever I would see Mayor Daly, the original Mayor Daly on TV, and, and I, you know, got the idea in my head that, hey, I'm going to be like that guy one day. And, you know, I read up about uh, Mayor Daly and many of the other aldermen, and they, they basically all had legal backgrounds. So that kind of got me interested in becoming a lawyer and 
Um, you know, I had some great times and uh, it was a true treasure to work as an assistant state's attorney in, uh, for Cook County for a number of years. What did, what did that, I don't know if we've ever talked about that. That is, that is a, it's not a unique job. I know many people who have done that uh, job, but what was it like for you? It really, it gives you a real, I think, an incredible insight into the way the city uh, and legal things work and don't work at the same time doesn't it dennis yeah and uh you know i i i've always been the you know let's look at the uh you know the the glass uh half full and, yeah you know the people can do uh good things and you know it was just a, really a shock to me to see um so, you know that, that kind of bad upon bad be piled into the courtroom and you know but yeah yeah you, you work your way through it you know you're doing the right thing and, and wearing the white hat and you're also hoping that the people that you you know are prosecuting you know that this uh, act kind of you know becomes a wake-up call for them and that they'll go ahead and, and write their ways and kind of you know go on to uh, something better for themselves too yeah the uh the latest book the latest book which i think i here are the here are the books by by my friend Dennis Foley. Uh, we'll get to No Ketchup later. That's a hot dog book. Uh, the Streets and Sandman's Guide to Chicago's Eats is his most arguably his most famous book. The Drunkard's Son is his most painful, I think, book, but eventually kind of filled with hope. Uh, the Blue Circus uh, is out there. Uh, this one, Dennis, is uh, what do you what do you want to call it? you? Call it a memoir? What do you call this? Yeah, definitely a memoir. I, you know, the, the drunkard's son. I'd call uh, that a memoir too. But I, I did mix that. I did mix in some, uh, you know, some fiction there and exaggerated some things. So that's why I kind of called it a memfic. You know, yeah, a little yeah. Uh, I thought you the, you know you know uh, how how much I thought of that book. I hope you know. I certainly think I wrote about it. And it was a. Uh, a remarkably honest, and I have to have to think for you, a very difficult book to write, was it? It's about your dad. Yeah. And, um, it's about know, you it and was, your dad. Uh, it's about you and your dad, yeah. Yeah, and, uh, you know, my dad passed away when I was uh, just about to turn 12. And, uh, you know, and, and then my grandfather, who was another important figure in my life at the time, uh, you know, he was the guy that was always there. My dad, uh, you know, wasn't around much. He was sick and in the hospital and yeah. the sanitariums and such. And, um, and, you know, my grandfather died like the following year. Mm. And, you know, as a young kid, that stuff impacts you. And, sure. uh, you know, from there, I kind of ran with a wild pack. And, uh, um, and so the drunkard son kind of, you know, I was stabbed in the back in an alley fight. And I kind of write a story of the kid who's in the hospital looking back and kind of yeah. covering the path that led for him to end up there. Yeah, uh, it was uh, it was a tough read, but I and I admired it. I admired it greatly. I think I wrote that it was a, a book of depth and heart and honesty, compelling, and as you are in real life, surprisingly humorous too, Dennis. That's the that's yeah. the joy of the uh, of the whole thing. Uh, when did you and your wife meet? Uh, you know, when I met my wife, Sue, um, I was down in uh, Memphis, Tennessee. I had gone to college down there um, and then came back and went to law school. I was going to go anywhere in America where I could uh, get the opportunity to work for a judge. Mm-hmm. And it just so happens that the judge that uh, hired me was uh, on the uh, Tennessee Court of Criminal Appeals is 
name was uh, Robert K. Dwyer. He was the, um, the gentleman that handled the prosecution of James Earl Ray after he was wow, right, Martin right, Luther King. A, right. a great guy to learn from. And when I was down there during that period in 1985, I ran into my lovely bride in uh, Alex's Tavern, the oldest neighborhood-run tavern in the city of Memphis. Of Memphis? Yeah, in Memphis. Yeah. Right. Uh, you later had you much later years later years later had a book signing party down there and then you got in like the world's worst car accident. Uh, <laughs> Dennis, you yeah, were yeah, in, that wasn't in, any fun. That's well, sure. no, I know, but in, in many ways, you're one of my you're one of my heroes. You were you were someone who has the ability to to translate. Uh, some really wicked, sometimes painful, and certainly the, you, you, the to translate the emotional roller coaster that has been your life into these compelling, compelling stories. The latest compelling story is feloniously yours, and we'll we'll tell you after the news. Uh, I'm sure Dennis would be happy to hang on because uh, we've been trying to get him on too. I, I'm so sorry that this this show with football and all that stuff is so screwy during the uh during the fall and winter dennis you have a website yet you must have a website don't you yeah uh yeah my website is uh it's dennis with two n's so dennis com. good yeah, go there. Uh, ladies and gentlemen uh, while you're listening to the news go there dennis com. dennis you and i will be back together in a few minutes after the news okay great thanks Welcome back. My pal Dennis Foley's on the phone. My other pal, uh, Joe Crane, is sitting here waiting to go on 6.30. Dennis, tell me the seed of this book. What compelled you uh, to write feloniously yours? What was it? I know most of what compelled you to tell your other stories, but what was it that, that said, okay, I need to tell this now? Yeah, and Rick, uh, I, this was certainly not a, uh, a, a story, a book that I ever thought I would write. Um, I'll bet, sure. And, and yeah, and quite frankly, I was uh, knee deep uh, working on a novel uh, set in the early 1900s in Chicago, and had about 40 pages going. And uh, you know, then I started getting bombarded with these memoir pieces, and I was like, oh, no, no, and I, I just, you know, just I'm, I'm focusing on this novel, and it just wasn't happening. These uh, pieces just kept coming at me, and you know, one might be a, you know a piece from when I was a kid, another one from when I uh, might be 50 years old. It didn't come in any particular order, so I, you know, I kicked the novel to the curb for a while and just ran with this. And wasn't sure where it was going. And then later on, as I went ahead and continued to write, you know, I was trying to figure how do I put this together. And then that's when, uh, you know, some of the stories about, you know, when I was uh, indicted by the, the feds um, kind of became the piece that connected everything. That, kind of, you know, kind of made things fall into place and kind of connected the dots for the, uh, for the entire work. Tell that story, will you, Dennis? The indictment. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I'm, I'll, I'll pat myself on the back a little bit and say that, you know, I was always what I thought one of the most honest attorneys going. No question. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, and I, I mean, I, I what I did, I did something wrong, and I owned up to it from, you know, day one. And as I told the, the judge in court, you know, I, the judge I was in front of in federal court, great guy, Judge Wayne Anderson. Uh, as a matter of fact, he, I met him in uh, um, at a pub when he was out with a couple of his law clerks one day. 
asked, uh, I was working as an electrician for the city at the time, and he was going out to some of the different places, uh, you know, that I had written about in uh, the Streets and Sandman's Guide to Chicago Eats, and there he was, and came over and introduced me uh, to his law clerks, and we had a nice chat. But as I told him in court, I said, hey, Judge, if this is the worst thing that I ever do, you know, in my life, uh, the worst thing I ever do wrong in my life, I'll die a happy man. Yeah. And what I did was yeah. on a uh, bankruptcy case, I went ahead and inflated a, cl- a client's income by $350 so that he would not lose his home. And, uh, you know, uh, little did I know that this case was referred to me that they were undercover federal agents. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, uh, and I mean, you were saying, you know, ba- that'll, that'll throw your life into a bit of a loop. So. Well, basically, I mean, you were set up and basically you you don't whine and cry about it. That's that's what uh, another admirable, admirable thing about you, Dennis. Uh, how old are your boys now? You have three, three boys. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So the youngest is uh, 24. Oh, um, my God. Uh, oh, yeah. Just wrapped, yeah. Just wrapped up college <laughs> a couple of years ago and. I have a son, Pat, that uh, he works in the city as, uh, as an electrician. He's 32. And my oldest son, Matt, uh, lives out in the New Jersey burbs of Philadelphia. He's 34. Uh, and you, you're in touch with them all the time? Of course. They like yeah, you. Yeah, you like we, we just had a, yeah. My, my oldest boy has been a, a busy little bee. Um, they just had their third kid in four years. Wow. So we, were just out, we were just out there for a christening. And, uh, you know, and then I'll, uh, you know. Um, I see my son Pat, and you know we'll be uh, you know, obviously getting together with the Christmas holidays and everything coming up too. Now, you, your wife was—is your wife not still teaching? Is she? Yeah, she still is teaching, wow. uh, but you That's know, uh, semi-retired. She's. You know, just doing uh, working with uh, uh, four-year-old preschoolers right now. Oh, that's great! Listen, when you when you think of your life and, and career, Dennis Foley, and uh, you know when you when you uh, finally uh, your license was suspended and two years you got uh, uh, couldn't work. That's when you started. You started as an electrician, but you also enrolled in Columbia College, and and that's really where. You became a writer, isn't it? Yeah, that, that, that is correct, Rick. I, um, you know, when uh, something like that happens to you, you, you kind of look at it and say, "Hey, you know, what, what is it that you really want to do?" And the, you know, what kept coming back to me was write. Yeah. And I enrolled in Columbia. Was fortunate <laughs> enough, you know, in their, their Master of Fine Arts and Creative Writing program, to have some fantastic teachers who helped me there in so many ways. And uh, you know, even while I was in school there. You know, the, the basis for putting together the Streets and Sandman book uh, happened right there in one of my classes with uh, an instructor named Sam Weller. And, uh, he put me in contact with... Uh, Sam Weller, you know, the, the, the biographer of, of Ray Bradbury. Yep. Oh, uh, yeah, for sure, yeah. The uh, That book, is that book still available? Uh, you know, I know it's out there on Amazon in the, you know, in the used format. Um, and uh, nothing out there someone can buy new and... Uh, I did go out probably about three years ago and went out to all the eateries in the book. Oh, wow. Uh, called, called up some just to see if they were still going. Sure. At that point, I mean, at least I would say 50, was, you know, the book was written in 2004. Yeah. And 50 to 60% of the places were still going. You know, unfortunately, you know, COVID did COVID probably did in, yeah, did in a number of them. You also, I would recommend, the reason I'm having Dennis on is I like Dennis a lot, and, and all of his books are good, but feloniously yours, I see, 
I see his growth not only as a as a, a memoirist, but also as a fiction writer, because nothing nothing you write, Dennis, is ever going to be easily categorized under one genre. Do you think you are a, a, a you like to not fool around with different genres, but but creatively merge things, don't you? Yeah, I agree, and I, I think, you know, one of the things I enjoy, like writing memoir pieces, whether it be feloniously yours or The Drunkard's Son, is, you know, when you're writing about those people, in the, you know, from your past, uh, you know, the, many of them who have gone on to the great beyond, you know, everyone out there can kind of agree that, you know, when you tell stories about them, you kind of breathe life back into them. Yeah, yeah. And, and yeah. that's one of the things I really enjoy. You know, even if it's something painful, you know, you still, it's like you get to see, you know, whether it's your mother, your father, your grandparents, you know, it's like they're there in front of you. Yeah. We got to take one break and then finish up with uh, with Dennis Foley. I, I highly recommend, I go to his website. It's, what's the, uh, what's the initial, Dennis? It's Dennis what Foley? Uh, yeah, Dennis Michael Foley. Dennis Michael Foley dot com, because all of his books are worth reading. Uh, this feloniously yours is, you know, none of them are very expensive, ladies and gentlemen. You can have the whole. You can have a whole Dennis Foley book <laughs> bookshelf, if you will. Uh, hang on, everybody. Hang on, Dennis. You and you people listening, hang on for two more minutes. And we'll continue on with Dennis, and then at 6.30 you'll hear from Joe Cranton about the wicked, wicked, wicked history of Glenview. Uh, welcome back. I'm on the phone with my friend Dennis Foley, and happy holidays and all that jazz to you, Dennis, and you people out there. Uh, DennisMichaelFoley.com is where you could buy any and all of uh, Dennis's increasing shelf of books. You happy with this book, Feloniously Yours, Dennis, are you? I am. I'm very happy. Um, I, you know, I kind of covered the gamut with different stories. And uh, oh, you're all over. The, you're you're I, wonderfully. Let me just put it this way: you're wonderfully all over the place. It begins on your eighth birthday, and uh, you know, <laughs> aspiring as you just talked earlier, <laughs> wanted to be the mayor of the city of Chicago. Uh, do you feel? I do. I certainly feel as a reader uh, your growth as a writer. Do you feel it? I do, and uh, you know when you when you were talking about you know memoirs and fiction earlier, you know I, after writing these two memoir pieces, I think I'm kind of done now with that, and so uh, okay. I am looking forward to you know pushing the envelope uh, with with uh, you know with the fiction and the novel next too, and continuing with that growth. Talk to, talk to me if you could, and remind the listeners uh, about your your movie. Oh okay, yeah, so. Uh, um, yeah, I came up with a crazy idea to uh, put a movie together. I wrote the script, and um, the movie was originally called Old Bob. It was later changed into uh, Not a Stranger. Um, what was really pretty cool about it was that, you know, once we filmed it and shot it, you know, we had put, you know, obviously put the cast and the crew together. It was all filmed on the south side, mostly in the Beverly area. Yeah. And uh, it picked up a you know, great review from Richard Roper. That's right. And then... Uh, um, you know, we ended up getting, uh, uh, you know, we picked up, uh, you know, someone to go ahead and, and, and run with it. And um, and now it's available on like Amazon Prime and, and other locations as well. So how often do you how often do you watch it? 
Uh, I probably look at it once every two years. Okay, that's all. <laughs> God, I'd look at it. I'd look every, at now it every, every, every now and then, when I see it pop up, because it, it flashes when I when I go on my Amazon Prime and uh, I'll play I'll play the um, trailer for fun because the uh, you know the trailer is really really well done. The distributor put that together, and I just get a hoot out of it. So, well, did, did it did it sour? I remember I wrote about it when you were in the midst of of making it. Did it sour you on movies or? The movie business is so movie TV is so so crazy now. How do you feel about that aspect of your career? Yeah, you know, and I have written a number of other script, you know screenplays. You won? And, uh, where is the award? You won a you won a big award for a screenplay? Did you not? Uh, yeah. So I mean, the 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 book, uh, the, the novel that I wrote, the Blue Circus. Yep. When I wrote the pilot for it, uh, it won. Uh, you know the. Gold uh, first place award in the um, Beverly Hills screenplay contest, and I've had a couple other ones that have, you know, won awards, and you know that's all fine and well. But uh, I'm hoping that someday someone will pick up one of these and run with it because, you know, I, I uh, you know I think some of them have some teeth and would make uh, definitely make, you know, for a good pilot or a good movie. I, I do too. Tell me about your novel that you're working on. If you don't mind, yeah, and, 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 and Rick, you, I think you'll get a hoot out of it because we discussed a little bit about something along these lines before. But the early 1900s Chicago, dealing with uh, you know the old uh, with Ben Reitman, the man about town, oh, yeah. uh, who was the you know the, the the doctor that took care of the destitute, the prostitutes, and the hobos, and his interaction with. Emma Goldman, who was the, you know, the high priestess of anarchy. Mm-hmm. And, it, you know, I, I focus on the Chicago uh, time that they spend together, and then I kind of run with it a little bit. And, you know, I, that's one of the few ones where I kind of map things out a little bit. But, uh, you know, about 40 pages into it, thoroughly enjoying it because I'm having a chance to write about um, the Dill Pickle Club, which was uh, oh, kind of where, you know, the Chicago literary uh, renaissance took took shape. Uh-huh. And also, uh, you know, right out there in front of it there as well, uh, you know, at, at the square, sure. the House Square, too, which you're obviously involved with, uh, you know, with the debates. It's that, uh, it's, formal name is Washington Square Park. It sits right in front of the Newberry Library. W- where are you doing your research on those two uh, inimitable characters? You know, I met... You won't believe that I met Ben Reitman's granddaughter. She had written a book, and uh, I think her name was Becca Reitman Carpenter some years sure. ago. She was on the radio show, and she'd had a stroke or something. It was not the the most uh, forthcoming interview, but uh, those are fascinating Chicago characters. What are you reading, Dennis? I'm, I've never really asked you about you, you work so hard and you write so much that I've never really probed what you read for fun. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I um, one of the things, like, I'm reading right now, and it's fun, but it's also kind of work-related. You know, I read the plays and stuff, too, and I've kind of been working on a little a few of those, too, but um, I've just started reading recently, you know, some of Elmore Leonard stuff oh, that yeah. I've, read, I've read before, but I've gone back to. And what I'm really interested in doing with that is, you know, I'm uh, I'm going through Get Shorty right now and kind of doing a comparison of, you know, what's in the novel and what's in the screenplay to see, you know, what he worked on and how he cut different things out. You know, what, how the screenplay had things that were chopped to make it flow. Yeah. And I'm hoping that'll help me when I'm... Uh, I'm, now I'm trying to turn the Blue Circus into, instead of a, a series of 
you know, a pilot in a number of episodes, turn it into a, a standalone feature. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Uh, tell me a few words about it. You've done it before, and and y- your wife uh, has just been as understanding and supportive. Uh, yeah. Uh, laugh. I, you should almost cry. She has been so wonderful. I mean, I think of the yeah. time you were driving back from Memphis and got in that horrifying car accident. Remind me how horrible was that? You sort of stopped. You were driving back, and all of a sudden, you looked behind you, and some truck was a truck was coming and smashed into you. Yeah, we were right outside uh. of uh, of uh, Champaign, you know, the University of Illinois. You know, traffic on I fifty seven came to a stop because of uh, the lane closure, and everybody stopped except for the eighteen wheeler, who was, you know, like, as I said in the uh, in Thelonious Yours, he must have been, you know, texting his girlfriend or you know watching a really good uh, um, Dwayne the Rock Johnson movie, and he uh, he plowed into us going about fifty five miles an hour, uh. and you know we bounced around, ended up. And median hit a number of cars, tore off the side of a boat. And I did think I was goners that day because I, I could tell something was seriously wrong. Yeah. And my, my wife says, uh, come on now, let's go. Uh, let's get out of the car. And I just looked over, you know, and said, I'm not going anywhere. Yeah. She got out and wrestled the door open and, and pulled me out. So, you know what? I, I think I married pretty well. <laughs> I think you did too, Dennis. And I, I greatly admire you. Ever think to go back and practice law or is that done for you? Yeah, you know, I, I actually am. So, um, you know, after working for nine years as a, um, you know, I was only suspended you know, right. like the year 2000. So I, I worked nine years as an electrician, and then I taught in high school. And right, right. Time. You went back to yeah, high right. I, I, yeah, I've been coaching basketball and lacrosse all that time, too. So, uh, you know, I started actually practicing, you know, opened up through my shingle out again, like in 2012. So, you know, I've been doing that since. So I'm kind of, you know, I don't do... Uh, criminal stuff anymore. I most definitely don't do any bankruptcies. And I do, uh, you know, uh, kind of like uh, the fun, boring stuff, real estate closings and wills and trusts. But so. uh, Dennis, you, you know how much I admire you and uh, your, not just your energy, but your talent and your honesty and your, uh, and your way with words. I, I just, I relish getting a new book from you, and I relished reading feloniously yours, a memoir with Dennis's face. He's not, uh, certainly not eight years old on the cover of this book. He's, <laughs> he's a bit older, and, and you're just, your your diligence and your perseverance and all that jazz. Uh you're a remarkable guy to me, pal. Uh, I never saw you play basketball, but I did see Jim Stack when he played at Northwestern. So we got we got that bond together, Dennis. Yeah. Uh, and, take, and Rick, I just want to say uh, thanks to you for being uh, you know, so supportive over the years. Too. Don't be so. I'll, I'll continue to do as long as you keep writing, my friend. I'll keep doing that. Okay. That best, great. best to the family. And you're Irish, and I know you Irish folks. And I'm half Irish, so I just, just celebrate half the holidays or drink half as much <laughs> as I should. Uh, you take care and enjoy your family, Dennis. And thanks again, Rick. My pleasure. Dennis, Michael Foley.com. Buy his whole bookshelf.